Welcome to the Woke Blokes Podcast, hosted by Nick Sutherland from MindFit and Ryan Hassan from the Center for Healing. Let's get into today's episode. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Woke Blokes Podcast. Ryan Hassan from the Center for Healing here, joined as always by Nick the Sultan of Still the Miracle of McRae, the Master of Mindfulness. He uh, pulled my pants down at golf last week. Uh, Sutherland, Nico, how are you? Um, I'm just stoked that uh, I got to pull your pants down at golf. And that's a metaphor, folks. Uh, Hassan and I played around a golf and I beat him quite handsomely, um, effortlessly, I'd say. Oh. Um, I mean, I, I've, I've had to bring the dogs into the office today and Daisy's chewing on Polly's arm as we speak. Days, we just need, need an hour, hour of my eyes, please. So, um, I, heard, I was listening to a podcast of ours the other day when I was uploading it, and I heard the doggos in the background and some. We've got Renos happening at home at the moment, so yeah. Excuse, excuse me, listeners, if you hear dogs or anything non-podcasty today. Podcasty doggos in the background. That's okay. Well, I forgive you. Well, that's an interesting sentence. I forgive you because that insinuates that I've done something wrong. You have. It? And it's a... I... <laughs> According to whom? <laughs> the universe. No, I don't You've so. broken the universal a, a... law of, of having some sort of mild outside <laughs> noise happening during the recording of a podcast. Uh, very important, no, very important when you think about the grand scheme of the whole universe. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, the listeners are going to be up in arms if they hear a, a dog playing in the background. Up in arms. What does that mean? Your arms are coming up like, hey, hey. What does that mean? I think okay. so. I think okay. so. We haven't done one of them. We haven't done one of them for a while, have we? The idiom, I know. We went hard on them early. We think we were yeah. running out. <laughs> no, I think we just got lazy. <laughs> Maybe we should do a whole episode on idioms just to make up for it. Yeah, no, no. That's a terrible <laughs> idea. Uh, uh, <laughs> that was good. Maybe um, workshop that. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, go back to forgiveness for a sec because I'd love, I'd love to, to play around with that for a bit. It's, uh, oh, his, his eyes are closed. He's yeah, taking I'm, a deep I'm breath. I'm really feeling into that, that energy. Go for it. Mm. I'm with you. Mm. So the whole... The sense of, oh, you must forgive someone. You know, there is right and wrong in the world. I get that. It's, it's subjective. But, but everyone has a different sense of right and wrong. So, um, you know, in working with clients, sometimes we need to go back and heal some trauma. Um, it's a funny concept, isn't it? And, um, and in doing so, you know, sometimes they need to, the, the, the past versions of them is stuck in trauma. So we may need to, Help them out of that, and and sometimes they need they need to forgive someone in their past for a transgression, um, and that's important. But if you if you transcend the right and wrongness, maybe we can just go into acceptance that it occurred instead of forgiveness. Except that you know that version of the other person was um, unhealed at the time too. I don't know. It's just you know what I mean. It's like oh, I forgive you. It's like well. You just decided that I did something wrong. You're looking at me through that black and white binary lens. Oh, by the way, you're forgiven. Oh, am I? Thanks. 
<laughs> it's sad, isn't it? So yeah, I think it's yeah. I think it's it's much better than a state of blame. You know, this kind of phases. I think it's like, well, if I'm in a state of blame, then I'm stuck. That's kind of let's say that's kind of the the lower frequency. There is I'm 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 blaming someone. It's like I blame them. Yeah, you know they they don't deserve to be forgiven. You know, in those inverted commas, um, and they they're and the blaming is a distortion. Blame blame you know in, in cognitive behavioural therapy, that's the the blames are distortion. So you're looking at them through your own distorted lens. Yeah, so I'd say that's that's one you know frequency, and then maybe a state of forgiveness is a. A, a more preferable state of being than blame. You know, maybe that's can help someone find a bit of resolution to go back and, you know, forgive, you know, dad for what they did or whoever it was. And, and that's the one frequency. And then I think what you're talking about is, yeah, transcending that state and going, okay, well, what if uh, no one is to blame and no one is to be forgiven either? And so that's that acceptance state. You know, that's, and I would say that's and it's a understanding. Frequency as well. It's, it's a, I had it the other day with a, with a client, and we were just going back, and and yeah, it's, it, we played around with forgiveness, but that didn't work for them. So it was a beautiful opportunity just to go into a deep understanding that their parents did the best that they could, but not just on an intellectual. I understand, and I can conceptualize that, but a deep, heartfelt experience of, of that, um, and it's summarized by the the philosophy he who blames others has a long way to go he who blames himself is halfway there he who blames nobody has arrived that came up last and, week oh, i did too yeah and um i thought you made yeah, it up so they, yeah you did that's right <laughs> i mean yeah i did yeah come on ego hurry up catch up <laughs> stupid ego hasn't woken up yet yeah, yeah, no. It's like what what one thing that we teach students is, you know, we're talking about, you know, how how do we know we've found some um, resolution or completion in a session with a client, and you know, it's like, well, can we go through whatever we need to go through to process what's happened and, and worked out where maybe some of our patterns and things have come from, and then it's kind of how do we give new meaning to that part of us or that chapter of what happened to us, and so how do I give that new meaning? And so it's a story. It can be a story of forgiveness, but like I said, that's better than a state of blame. But we'd ideally want to move, you know, further up the chain to a, a story of acceptance. Everything happened the way it was meant to happen based on, you know, we spoke about conditioning last week, based on my parents' conditioning or whoever it was, um, and my conditioning kind of coming together and, and clashing. Um, and then ideally that the most beautiful state is is one of gratitude. And, you know, we speak we've spoken about this so much on the podcast that, you know, our own personal stories like we don't just accept, you know, all the the dark times in our life. We're very, very grateful for them, and that's really beautiful. Mm. Then, when we can look back with gratitude, and and all of a sudden, this part that maybe we were in blame with this person or this period of our life, we can kind of say, "Oh, thank you. I'm so glad that happened." I can see that they were playing out, you know, their patterns, um, but also they gave me so much good um, in, in the world, and also they they by going through this, I've been able to learn these lessons, which have made me a better person now, a more compassionate person, and a better human being. I love how you're talking about frequencies and, and different levels and yeah you know people's minds um, are, we, we can grasp certain concepts and, a, and an untrained or underdeveloped mind or whatever may not be able to grasp certain things so when I'm working with clients I'm, I'm, I'm meeting them at their level of what their mind can grasp and then planting seeds and slowly you know, opening the mind up and 
whatever and introducing them to the them to this concept that suffering is grace suffering can be beautiful suffering those dark times that you spoke about you know without yours and mine we wouldn't be healing and helping so many people so how how can you be disappointed or angry or upset that you know that's that's a person that's still stuck they're still holding on to that shouldn't have happened and and you know we we say here that it takes more strength to let go than it takes to hold on it takes uh, a a bigger person um you know to to forgive and to get into that level but then after after that it's it's that um yeah, it, 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 everything was perfect. Every, everything happened perfectly. The ego, it's all about the ego again. The ego was bruised. The ego was hurt. The ego didn't like how it was treated. It wasn't loved and liked in the way that it wanted to be loved and liked, and et cetera, et cetera. But when you transcend that, you're like, oh, well, I was meant to be um, raised the way I was. I was meant to have a bipolar father who was self-medicating. I was meant to experience sexualized violence in the army. I was meant to experience all of that. And and no one's ever going to sit there and go, can't fucking wait to get jumped on by eight dudes and strung up and, you know, you're not going to go looking for it. And, and yeah, But when it comes into your experience, then so be it. It's, it's, it sucks in the moment, but it's so valuable later on. Yeah, yeah, and we can even because it it can be more difficult to try and give it new meaning whilst you're in it because you might say, let's say somebody who's listening is going through some dark times right now, and they're like, "Well, I'm not like feeling pretty good and helping people and healing people. I'm still in the <laughs> shit. Like, how can I how can I give better meaning to that?" And you can start to reframe it and just say, you know, I wonder what I'm learning here, or I wonder what I'm being taught. Um, you know, one of the things I talk about with, with addicts a lot is, you know, relapse is such kind of a seen as a bad thing and 12 step is, you know, mm. shame relapse. And I'm like, let's, it's research. If somebody does slip back into an old behavior, I'm like, well, it's because you got something else to learn there. It's like, once we've learned mm-hmm. everything we need to learn in a particular area, then we'll kind of move on to something else. And so when we can reframe like that. A- go. No, yeah. No, sorry. No, it's, it's just like, it, it just. It's like in a video game, you know, Mario Brothers, and you, and you beat the the big dragon dude at the end of the first level. And you're like, yeah, you haven't won the game. You've just got to go to the next level, and you, you're back at the start. And everyone's like, oh, well, I'm back here again. I thought I'd done the work. And you're like, no, nah, man, there's another level, and there's another boss. And then guess what? When you learn the lesson there, you're going to go back to the start and start all over again. And it's just, that's, that's just how we go for the rest of our lives. Yeah, it's just the realization that some people have. I've seen it many times, and I, I actually enjoy it when when they come to that realization sooner rather than later. That the idea that there's an end point is so. So you're saying I'm never going to be perfectly healed, and everything's going to be uh, easy. You, you, when when, when clients finish their initial program here, and then we we offer maintenance program, you know, eighty eighty percent of people just go, "Yep, no worries," and it makes sense for them to do it. But some go, "Oh, oh no, I think I'm good." No, oh. You're enlightened. Wow, you're a cooked goose. You're a stick of fork in you. You're done. You're a you're a finished product. That's beautiful. I'll see you in about six months. I reckon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a, such come. a red flag, isn't it? Yeah, without fail, they'll always find their way back, and they, yeah. they come back hat in hat in hand and go, "Oh, maybe I should look at, maybe think about doing some." work again and they're like beautiful to have you back hi how was your little adventure 
yeah. and that's beautiful. That's perfect for them. That's how they're meant to go through and experience it. But I, I love that quote. Life gives us the test first and the lesson afterwards. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes, you know, we pass the test. Sometimes we're knocking out of the park and we're like, yeah. And the lesson is the reinforcement that you're doing things in a correct manner or whatnot. But more often than not, we fuck it up completely. And that's where I kept getting stuck when I was pre-metanoia and and I just had that destructive mindset and thinking and I can't and closed mind and no growth or anything. Uh, and then after metanoia, I went, um, I, I just created this mantra. It was like, how am I becoming a better person for having been through this experience? And that was, that was my mantra. It's, like, it's not good or bad. I stopped. I got rid of that lens. I got rid of that filter. The things were good and bad. And I was like, right, where's the value in this? Where's the, how am I becoming it? How can I grow? How can I learn? How can I evolve? from this this is this isn't bad it feels pretty gnarly it feels like uh, but but where's the growth in this and that's uh, and that's helped what, what you're doing like you said you're so closed off and even that mantra is so opening um it just really opens you up to experience and it's not also it's not like positive thinking kind of vibes you're not trying to dismiss the fact that whatever you're going through may suck at the moment because that's the reality but it's like hey this sucks but it's also must be trying to teach me something and i wonder what that might be yeah and that's that's because i a lot of people and i was a, a, a trap for this you know many years ago where it's like oh just positive think your way out of everything and i think you know Tony Robbins had a good analogy for it. It's like going into your backyard and just going, there's no weeds, there's no weeds, there's no weeds. There's fucking weeds everywhere. It doesn't matter how many times you say it, there's fucking weeds hopes in your yard. Hopes and prayers, <laughs> hopes and prayers. And that's what I love about Buddhism. You know, the first thing I learned about Buddhism was or Buddhist philosophy was they don't want blind faith or just people to sign up to it and start following it. They want you to test it and challenge it. You, you, you know, don't follow it until you understand how logical it actually is. And, and it's not just faith. It's, it's, I think there's a difference between faith and hope. And, and faith for me is, is pretty empty um, in that regard because there's no action involved. It's just I, I hope someone, I hope a mysterious entity makes my life better. You know, like, where the fuck's your sense of ownership and accountability in this? So how do you see hope different to that? Uh, hope is, I don't know, hope, hope is, um, it just feels different. It's hard to explain. I hope, you know, if you're, if you're in a, I don't know why this is coming, um, maybe Victor Frankl, if you're in a, a death camp or something, you know, and, and you have hope that you're going to survive, it's going to keep you going. But I think within hope for me, my interpretation is is within the hope there will still be some actioning. You're still gonna where faith is just oh, I have faith that I'll survive, and please God help me to survive, and, and it's outsourcing to another. Where I think hope is internal, and faith seems to be external. If I could put it that way. Yeah, I, it's interesting you say that because I actually have kind of the reverse meaning for me, and you know, right. we obviously have the meaning. Right based on the where we've heard it and, and how we've applied it in our own life. But yeah, I hope for me feels is like a wishy washy kind of term. Like I'm I'm hoping for something in the future that's gonna happen. Whereas faith to me, yeah, I don't, right. faith faith doesn't 
obviously it's been tied with uh, religion, but it doesn't really have that to me. Faith's like, can I trust in something that I haven't seen evidence for yet? So it's like I haven't seen the evidence of, you know, maybe me taking these actions mm. to get my life in a better place and I haven't seen the evidence of it yet, but I have faith that if I keep taking the action and doing what I need to do, that that evidence will appear. So it's it's, it's funny, mm. isn't it? We, we have just the, the kind of reverse. So yeah, it's beautifully subjective. Once again, everything's subjective. I had, a, I had an interesting thought the other day. You know, the, the, what's the meaning of life? It was, it was one of my shower thoughts. I was in the shower and it just came to head. Well, what's the meaning of life? And I, and I had a laugh. I'm like, if anyone is egotistical enough to try and provide an answer, then, then that's just ridiculous because the meaning of life is whatever you decide it is. Uh, I think it's, it's, it's so subjective. Yeah, but it's such... Because at the end of the day, we don't really know what we are or why we're here. So it's kind of a universal question that human beings have. And so then we, we, it's, it's quite, like you said, it's kind of impossible to answer unless we decide the meaning subjectively within ourselves. But then people will gravitate towards people who seem to have some sort of concrete answer because it makes them feel more safe. And so that's how we get totally. all the guru worship and, and cults and all that kind of thing. It's like, <laughs> I, I have, I have all the answers. Come and let me tell you. And people who aren't yeah. confident, confident enough in themselves will go, okay. Yeah, I'll subscribe to what you're selling me. I'll buy into what you're selling me. Yeah. So we drink and this and then get on the spaceship? Oh, okay, no worries. <laughs> I think the whole purpose of that, you know, it's a, you said a universal question. It's a philosophical question. And the purpose of it is to, is to get the cogs in the brain turning over and start thinking, to start coming into your own idea of what, what is the meaning of your life? I think it's not what's the meaning of life. It's what's the meaning of your life. And for me, I was so fortunate to come into an understanding and I, I, I often use my current thinking because I don't want to ever just lock into um, a belief because uh, that didn't work for me in a past version of my existence here on Earth. So my current thinking around the meaning of my life is to create as big of a positive ripple effect as I can in the world, to, to reduce the amount of unnecessary suffering and to help people through necessary suffering. So that's the meaning of my life. Now, that's going to be very different to Bob, Tim, Dave, Susie, Lulu, or Patrice over there. You know, it's, it's, they're all going to have a different meaning for their life. So it's, it's a, but it's, it's good to sit there and ponder what's the meaning of my life? Yeah. Yeah. I sometimes, it's kind of hard to put into words. Like we, you know, last Sunday we went down and played golf in the sunshine down the peninsula. And it's like, if I reflect, you don't you don't think about it in the moment, but when I maybe I'm on the way home, I'm kind of like, oh, that's the meaning of life. And it's like, what, playing golf on a Sunday's meal? It's I like, had no. I thought when we're playing. <laughs> I had the thought when we're playing. I was so present in that. And I was just sit there and it's like, it's not watching the world go by. It's it's just it's just observing life as it's happening. And, and life was happening. You and I were standing on a beautiful golf course with beautiful scenery and a beautiful man next to me with beautiful sunshine. And even it was pissing down rain and even it was, it was horrendous and blowing out, know, it still would have been such a beautiful experience because, you know, yeah, I had that, oh, this, 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 this is, this is living, this is living Barry. This is life. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, that's, 
sort of how I view it for my life personally. And yes, my profession and work comes into that. And it's kind of, yeah, those those states of being where you're engaged. I think you're engaged with it. Because it's like, who knows, you know, with reincarnation, who knows if we come back here, maybe we never come back here or what we ever, what we go to next doesn't involve the earth and these five senses. It's like, clearly we're here to experience what's happening in front of us, you know? And so it's like, am I, I am I completely here or am I, or am I off somewhere else? That's life, the meaning of life to me. Yeah, totally. Uh, I had a, I had a fantastic realization then, and but I was trying to listen to you as well, and now the interesting realization is just wandered off somewhere. So, but it was, um... but it was great. <laughs> it was profound. That was, that was awesome. It was awesome. It was, it was deep, man. I think I just. I was this close to reaching enlightenment then. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I then I just kept banging on about something and I ruined it. You did. You did. <laughs> you ruined it. That's it's it's perfect. I wasn't meant to reach I'm like quick Nick Nick's to about to be realized. Keep talking, keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck his average. I could see um, the energy rising up your body. I'm like, blah, 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 blah. get back down. Yeah, it, I did. It was it was a really it was it was bang. It was a mind blowing experience and now it's gone that's right it'll come come back when it's meant to um you know i was i was thinking about someone someone something when you were talking earlier you know we're talking about frequencies and it was um making me think sorry someone just walked past my window it was really weird um i was thinking about uh you know how we can have we're speaking about blame forgiveness acceptance gratitude and Mm. um you know we can have these different frequencies or energy sources at different periods and you know some of them Mm -hmm. so for me it made me think of my early days when i was kind of you know stopping using drugs and trying to you know get stay clean and that kind of thing and i remember we had this um a whiteboard in the house i was living at and so i wrote on the whiteboard and it was there for like weeks maybe even a couple of months um in big letters because i struggled um with crohn's disease when i was younger and i wrote in big letters i beat crohn's disease and i'm gonna fucking beat this too with like exclamation marks right and so it's like when you feel into that the energy is kind of like a little bit tight you know what i mean it's like yeah i beat it it's you're in conflict with it but but i I beat it so the thing is that say frequency or energy source um served me you know I, i didn't have the capacity maybe or capabilities to to you know go higher at the time and so you know i you know i stayed off drugs and i was quite committed and it was kind of but long term that wasn't going to serve me do you know what i mean Mm. it's like you know after that initial period so if i'm if i had have gone months or even a year with that same energy of like i'm fucking beating this i can't see myself you know ever maybe you know maybe i might have slipped up i could have caused other issues and that kind of thing so it's like we can use fuel sources for a time but we can ask ourselves maybe is this frequency sustainable for me that's you know what, what I mean? we ask the the, 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 two, the two the two fundamental questions in mind because is, is it healthy and is it sustainable and if the answer is no then we look at changing so um it came back to me it wandered back my my oh so I was talking about the meaning of my life was to create unnecessary um, help reduce unnecessary suffering and help people through necessary suffering. And, and you spoke beautifully about your thing and then your occupation. You look at them as independent of one another almost. That's, that's how I sort of got that. No. But then I realised that... But keep going. <laughs> and then I realised 
that um, my work, my 24-hour, seven-days-a-week job is to reduce the unnecessary suffering within myself first and foremost and help myself through necessary suffering first and foremost and then offer that to the world and, and for those interested in it. I'm not ever, ever going to force it upon anyone. But, yeah, it was just a beautiful – and I, I don't know if you were speaking – inter or independently between your the meaning of your life within yourself and then seeing work as separate but but to me they are deeply entwined yeah yeah no no they definitely weren't independent so what i was kind of getting at is the meaning of my life which you just described is very much about me so you know i remember I wanted to heal the world so everyone i came across i wanted to heal them and you know all this kind of stuff but it's like why do I want that? You want to make like, it a better place? That's right for you and me. For you and for me and the entire human race. Yeah, that's right. And yeah. um, I, <laughs> and but th- th- even though that's a beautiful intention, there's sort of a part of it is kind of, well, if I do that, then my state of being will be at peace. Whereas I'm like, now it's like, no, no, everything revolves around me being at peace. And then the byproduct of that is, I still want to help people and I still want to, you know, make a difference in the world. I still want to be a great partner and dad and family member and friend and all that. But that all comes from me looking after myself and my own inner peace. Then everything else you can't help, goes you on. can't help anyone unless you're, you're unless you're okay. But what you're speaking about is, you know, when, when clients come in, we say, um, all right, the one golden rule is you are responsible for your happiness. And what's the definition of happiness? And a lot of people talk about this extrinsic definition it's i'll be happy when i've healed the world i'll be happy when i've reduced all the suffering i'll be happy when i've got a million dollars and this very there's this very external outwardly i'll be happy when x y and z happens and i was the same as you uh, i definitely had that agenda when i first got into this um but then continuing to do the work you realize it's not all out there, it's all in here. It has to be in here. So now we, we talk about having A, B, and C in place. So people define happiness sort of mainly as externally, but for you and me and other people, it, it's now happiness is inherent. It's, it's, it's so within us and it has to be because we can't give away that which we do not possess. We can't. We can't offer happiness and, and health and everything to everyone else unless where we have that within us. So, and it's always been you know internal. It's just that we were under the illusion that it was external. So it's like of let course. me let let me uh, use external circumstances and people to make myself feel something inside. But it's like, well, then you kind of realize that why don't I just focus on feeling that way inside and then I'll interact with people and circumstances outside. And that's it's, it's like pick up on that vibe. 100%. And you kind of cut out the middleman. Then you're not having to yeah. use anything external. You can sort of take those, the keys to your happiness back, Nico. It's uh, still what are you smirking you at? Said I, I'd, ra- I'd rather be sad in a Ferrari. Just, <laughs> just, <laughs> <laughs> I just want to give that person a hug. I really yeah. do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, uh, this is beautiful because it's all linking in. So uh, we played golf. Uh, I had a golf. We both had a golf lesson a couple of days later. Um, and I had this epiphany and I was, I was like, this is what clients experience at MindFit. 
had the lesson, had an hour with the instructor, and he was teaching me, reflecting to me all the things that I was doing to not help myself to be more efficient in my golf swing, and and that's why I'm I'm paying him. And he helped, he gave me a few things and a few changes and whatnot. And then the lesson finished, and I went to the the driving range and started trying to implement them. And I was hitting the ball fucking sideways. It was I needed a new hosel at the end of the session. It was shooting left, right. It was horrible and i felt all this uh, coming through me i was like this is horrible this is fucked and i should have tuned in and listened to the internal narrative i was like what am i paying for this fucking what a piece of shit is that and then i heard that i i heard that and i felt the suffering that i was in i was like why right step away put the club down Take a breath, and I was—I just went back to breathing and laughing, breathe and laugh, breathe and laugh, breathe and laugh, and breathe and laughed, and, and I was on the range for an hour, and then finally it went click, and I was like, "Oh, this is it!" And it all became available to me, and I was like, I was, I was crying, just laughing. I was like, I'm so grateful for my clients for for, for continuing to turn up and to continue to to ebb and flow and, and break and grow. And I'm so honoured that they they trust me to continue, you know, on their journey. It was, it was remarkable how I just went, oh, oh, I am a client. And then I was like, yeah, I'm an eternal student. But I was like, oh, this is, this is what they experience. <laughs> it's great. It gives you a bit of a view into it. And it is it does give you gratitude, doesn't it, for being able to push through that, and we started talking about blame on this podcast and that's what it is the mind so it's like a it, we're internally he's not fixing me he's yeah we're in we're in pain I'm paying him all this money we're in this internal pain and so the mind just goes i've got to blame someone let me have a go here and um and then you know that's it is it is pushing through isn't it because it'd be so sad then if you're like oh fuck golf then and just packed your clubs up and didn't look at them for a few months and you ne- you never got yeah. It's like that, you know, that meme of the guy, you know, digging underground. He's right near the diamonds and he just gives up when he's yeah, that far yeah. away and walks off. Yeah. Um, that's kind of the analogy that I get. It's, well, that's just, and as I said to clients, we must have spoken about it in other podcasts because uh, someone got in touch and said, thank you. I really need to hear that. Just, just keep turning up. That was what they really took out of that one podcast was just keep turning up and, um, you know, it, Persistence is the number one key to success. Yeah, I remember speaking about that before, and uh, I I was in the grind. I was in the I was you know I was in the and, and I could clearly identify my attachments. You know, uh, I'm I'm not perfect at golf. I don't have the perfect golf swing, and I'm not getting what I want with the two biggest attachments that I had. And there was a deep attachment, and so therefore there was some deep suffering going on. So when I laughed and breathed and I could, in that space between stimulus and response, that's where I could surrender and surrender and surrender and accept that I'm ignorant, incompetent, mediocre. And the doggos are uh, on, 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 the, on the march. On the so, yeah, it was, it was really it was great that I got to experience, you know, because I'm never going to go through a mindfit program. I can't mm. do that, but, but it was it was great to, to have that um reflected to me that yeah this is it sucks for your clients and this is what it feels like so thank yeah, you clients yeah 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 hats off to everybody doing this work and showing up over and over again and it is such an important message it's like just just show up 
just show up. Have faith I, or hope, whichever word you want to use. That the that you. I've never. <laughs> Uh, I've never said this to my clients. Though. My instructor said to me, "I need a stiffer shaft," and thankfully, I've never, um, I've never had to tell tell a client that. It's a pickup line that you've used a few times, though. Surely, <laughs> my golf coach told me I need a stiffer shaft. Uh, I'm your golf coach now. <laughs> <laughs> you always take it into the gutter, don't you? No, I, I pulled, I pulled gutter. Ryan's pants down and uh, got a stiffer shaft. <laughs> Putted from the rough a few times. <laughs> um, no, that's great. Oh, no, hey. no, I think it's 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 very. It's a, I just think it's a really important message. Like, just show people ask me a bit of stuff, you know, about you know business and that kind of stuff, and I'm like, it's the same theme. It's the same thing with everything. It's like just you got to be persistent. You got to keep showing up. You can't. There's no point go and hammer and tong for a few months and then, you know, not get the results you want and then go, oh, fuck it, and then just stopping. And then, you know, you got to you got to keep there, going up. There is a line as well between flogging the dead horse and, and turning up. So you really, you know, if someone just kept going, just kept going, kept going down a path that wasn't meant for them, um, you know, and that path was, you know, you talk about the, you know, mine are right near a diamond, and what if the diamond's not meant for him? What if the the, the gold is just yeah. out there? It could have gone down a well. That's you know, why. That's why I tell everybody who's doing business stuff is they should be doing therapy at the same time, hundred percent. So then they can yeah. they can they can work through those things and work out: Am I just hitting this rough patch that I have to persist in, or is it something that maybe I need to to shift gears a little bit? And having that person there to reflect things back to you. Um, is so so important. I think anything people are doing, like should getting therapy while we're learning golf, definitely. <laughs> Fuck, yes. Well, it's the mind. It's the interpretation of it all. It's having a sounding board. You know, the mental game, um, the mental part of golf is is crucial. And if you don't have a, remember we had Matty Pitt, his wife passed away from cancer, and um, he spoke beautifully about about he, he lives life as he plays golf and. You know, he was able to get through that really, really rough patch in his life and he kept going with his boys because he he had that philosophical approach to it. It was just like, so be it. I can't control this. This is just how it is and it sucks. And But it's here, so I've got to deal with it. I've got to let it in. I've got to let it out. Yeah. Yeah. So you're flushing them, is that what you're saying? Uh, at the, by the end of it, yeah, it was, it was just... I told you I wasn't I wasn't uh, I wasn't releasing it and then I went out on the golf course yesterday um out of the back of my house and hit the view and sucked again. So that's you know, that's it's the eternal and that's not good or bad, it's all just it all just is. It's all because you can't flush it and feel how the the um you know, and the emotions involved with hitting a pure golf shot like that's what gets people hooked. It's what gets people going back for more. You can't have that without the hosels and the shanks and the hitting it sideways and everything. So we, we, we need it all. So the shanks are just important as the pure flushed irons. They are indeed. Ooh, wrap your head around that one. Guys, you're being a bit invasive on the podcast. Shall I interview you, Daisy? Yeah, so she's got something to say. She's right here. She's like, hey, 
and uh, I went in. Jeez, up um, Jeez. I want to, I know, we're going to, coming from left field, we're going to take this in a different direction. Oh, what yeah. are your thoughts on the whole non binary, uh, I don't identify as. Well, you're really throwing, really throwing this one at me, haven't you? We didn't discuss this. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> no warning, no anything. Yep. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> this. Take <laughs> yourself, compose the mind. Um, I always find interesting when there's, when there's, you know, uh, tribalism, um, division. Um, it seems like whatever movement. You know, and there's always different ones coming along every few years. Um, whatever movement comes along that gathers some legs um, ends up becoming, you know, quite tribal, um, which then causes division at first with people that oppose that particular movement. And then within the movement itself, start to fraction off into tribes and kind of attack each other. Um, but look, my personal view is um, you can be whoever the hell you want to be um, or identify as. That's completely, you know, it's your life to live and you can do what you want. Um, I, I have an issue when all of a sudden we have to start using different terms um, by law uh, and these kind of things where, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's like because I don't understand where the line stops, um, you know, so to speak. It's like, you know, I've had, you know, a, someone, it was a student, you know, listen to an hour lecture that I gave and then message me after and go, oh, you know, at, 26 minutes, 42 seconds, you know, you said guys and girls, that wasn't very inclusive of you. I think I said guys and girls were going to the next slide, you know, and it's like trying to pick up on all of that stuff. And it's like, well, what am I meant to say there? You know, if I say, you know, people, am I excluding people who identify as as animals? And this is going to get like, people will have a smirk at this, but you know, there was, I think it was a Google or one of the the tech um, companies in Silicon Valley. Um, There was a complaint to HR uh, that there was no kitty litter in the toilets because they identified as a cat. And that's, you know, you want to snicker, but that's actually a true story. So it's like, where do we where do we draw the line here? Like, so you want to identify as a cat, that's fine. But to say that I should, you know, be inclusive and have kitty litter in the bathrooms, like, where do we draw the line here? Like, it's getting a bit um, out of control. But as far as as people, like, I, I know people who, and people ask me like, oh, is is being non-binary, you know, is that a a, a trauma response? Um, and I'm like, I've seen people where definitely it is a trauma response, but I've also seen people that it's not. I've seen people that I've actually known since I was a kid who they may be male and they they just have never felt like a male in their body and they have always wanted to be a female. And I'm like, well, and they grew up and, and became a female and, and, you know, all good there. And it's like, I would never tell that person that, you know, that's wrong because they should live their life according to what they feel like. But then when, like I said, these movements gather momentum, then we run into all these issues like now because it becomes trendy as well, especially in America. There's parts of America where it's real trendy. If you're a heterosexual person in a school, you get made fun of and bullied um, if you're not homosexual or transgender or non-binary. And then all of a sudden, then kids who are very, very young, whose prefrontal cortex have nowhere near finished developing yet, say, mum, dad, I feel like I'm not the right gender. And they're like fucking 12. And then mum and dad, because all the other parents are all woke and fucking agreeing with these same things. So, yep, we'll get tell you to take you to a gender reassignment clinic where doctors are profiting off doing either surgeries or giving these young children hormones to make them feel like the opposite gender. And the issue with that is 
once you start taking hormones at a young age like that, it's like, oh, well, if you change your mind, you just come off them. It doesn't work that way. You'll affect your endocrine system for the rest of your life if you start um, taking those hormones. So now all of a sudden, you know, there's profit that comes in, like with anything, right? Like profit comes into it. And I think there is some insidious clinics and doctors in here. There was an article on it recently, actually, here in Australia. There's plenty um, going around, but especially over in the States, um, which are kind of preying on this woke culture um, and children, which I think is really insidious. I came across a philosopher years ago, don't make a permanent decision based on a temporary emotion. And um, I think that's really applicable to what you're talking about here. That's It's trendy. We had this, remember, we spoke with Taylor Harris and we, we spoke in the podcast after, I think, about um, it's trendy to have a mental health issue or to be a, a mental health advocate or you know, I'm, I'm, I'm walking for mental health. That's, that still confuses me. Um, and, yeah, I, I heard something interesting as well the other day about someone called it um, gender dysmorphia, and I hadn't, I hadn't actually heard it turned in that way, and it made me think of body dysmorphia, which is a mental illness. You know, it's, 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 it's where um, it's a, when you become very thin, yeah, anorexia, um, bulimia. Anorexia and, yeah, bulimia and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, people don't identify as their body. They see their body completely differently. And, and this person put into the same context with gender. And um, I think I think we, it's, we're very reactive to it. And yeah, we're, when we're in a, an age now where people's egos are very sensitive and are being pandered to. And, and, and it's, um, you know, I think it's more important for us to sit and stop and park with things for a bit and don't make any, sometimes the best response is no response. Don't go making any decisions just yet. Just, just sit it out. It's like, uh, I identify as hungry. Okay. Well, that doesn't mean I have to go and eat. Maybe it's just a signal. Maybe it's just a, a, a passing thought. Maybe I'm actually thirsty. The signals are very close. Um, hard to identify. So, yeah, I don't know. It's it's it's, it's uh, as I said, where's the line? Because it's it is. We don't want to dismiss it. And, and for anyone listening, I hope this isn't triggering anything within you. Um, but I feel it's important to have these philosophical discussions around it, and and, and we're not for or against. We're just. Um, yeah, I just keep keep bumping into contact with it. So I just I, I just wanted to have a chat about it. someone was. It's like you can't have police without criminals. Yeah, it's it's yin and yang. You can't have one without the other. You, you can't have a pure golf shot without the shanks. And so people who are going to the right are creating people on the left, and 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 you know, you hear these hear these people come together. And clash and argue their their opinions and try and wrestle the other person into submission. But I'm hearing some logic in underlying some of these as well. And, and you know, well, it depends what angle you're coming from. Some are coming in from a scientific angle. Well, well, you know, he's talking about mammals. And well, so if if we have the mammal species if we if i started identifying as a woman that's all good and well but we have to extend this into the rest of the animal kingdom 
And so where, where does it stop there? The, the, you know, is that not a male bear? Is that a, is that a female bear? That, that, that bear just gave birth to some cubs. It, am, I, am I committing a crime by calling that a female bear? Well, there's now, and, there's now part of the people that, you know, would say that if I said men can't give birth, then that would be, you know, incorrect and, and shaming. And, yeah, it's at some point it's like, and then people will say, well, you know, we can't all of a sudden talk about biology anymore because that's all a construct. Um, and we need to kind of throw that out the window. Um, so, yeah, it gets, we get into some interesting topics. But the thing is, the last few years I've met many um, transgender and non-binary people and most of them are like awesome it's like i genuinely because i'm so interested so i sit down i'm like tell me tell me about your experience and you know what it's been like and you know how do i you know address you and i'm, I'm i love having discussions with anybody about that and but then there's some people and this is the same with anything you know same with any any movement or tribe you know there's some people who I just like that person I said made the comment. It's like they're look they're always on the lookout for somebody doing something wrong or slighting them that's, in some that's, way. That's that's my that's what I'm referencing when I say the ego. So there are these genuine people out there who don't identify, you know, I was born in the wrong body or whatever the case may be. But there and there is so much that the the bandwagon they've jumped on this train there they just wanna you know, yeah, we're, we're all being harmed. It's this victim mentality. It, it's, 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 it completely diminishes the, the actual experience, the, the, the real people. It's like the, the mental health advocates and it's trendy to have anxiety and depression. Yeah, that really diminishes, you know, there's something wrong with me. Hey, hey, don't forget about me. It, it, the ego, it completely diminishes the, the, the genuine suffering and, and, so I have an issue with those that are that in that area. Yeah, I'm. I get more interested. I've actually had some people as well. It's like because I'm like, if someone says something back, you know, it's rude, or they, I'm like, you've said on this podcast before. It's like educate me, don't belittle me. And I'm like, cool. Can we can we talk about it? And then people are like, well, I'm not going to talk to you. You're a white male. It's like, well, all right. How are we going to get anywhere here? <laughs> like, I, I genuinely am interested in people and want to talk. But what I'm really interested in is is the the, just the dynamics that play out and you can see it with anything, you know, like, um, you know, veganism, it's like, Hey, we're all vegan, you know, high fives. And all of a sudden it's, there's raw vegans and non-raw vegans. And they're like, Oh, so you're not a raw vegan. No. Oh, you're a piece of shit. And then they start fighting and it happens with everything in our line of work. I see people, you know, Daisy really wants to put her two cents in people in our industry. It's like they start shitting on other modalities or people that are doing something different. And then, you know, it's like, we're all kind of trying to help people here. Like, why are we fighting? Why don't we sit down and talk about things? And this is just tribalism, which seems to be very inherent in human nature, playing out. And it plays out over and over and over again. And right now it's happening with the transgender and non-binary movement, but it'll be something else in five or ten years. And it'll play out, unless something radically changes, it'll play out in a very, very similar way. It's the human condition. It's just the that's the ego for me. It's it's desire, whether it's mental health or non-binary or veganism or whatever. There's always, yeah, as you said, there's always going to be something, and the flavour just changes. But it's still, I don't know. It's just, it's kind of for me. It's like just, a, there's there's like a pendulum, right? This is how I kind of make yeah. sense of it in my mind. And so 
the pendulum uh, is perceived to be, you know, at one end and then in, it doesn't come to the middle. It needs to come to the other way before it comes to the middle. So things get very extreme before they get less extreme. Mm. You know, it's like, mm. you know, with, with the feminism movement, you know, the message wasn't, mm. you know, in, in the initial stages of feminism, it wasn't like, um, you know, we're all created equal under the universe's eyes and men and women are equal, but it's men are evil. Like that, it's like the, the the extremity has to come, and then ideally we we yeah. to back at some place. And I think this is another example of it being at the extreme end right now. But it'll start to center. Then the next thing kind of comes along and does the same thing. And uh, I, I, yeah, so we and that's the spectrum. So everything's on the spectrum, and and black and white are the ends of the spectrum, and then the grey and the color and everything is in between. And yeah, I love how you, you use that pendulum because. Um, but the, the problems arise when you get stuck at one end of the spectrum. E either end, whether you're completely left or completely right, they're equally problematic. There's still nowhere to go from that position, whatever position you take. You know, Buddhism's called the middle path or the middle way. Um, it's all about balance. It's all about being in there. So you can move. You can ebb left or you can flow right. You can you can. Right. Move wherever you need to go, and yeah, just when people get stuck in their beliefs and and defend their irrational thinking and defend their illogical systems, and and then want to impose that on everyone else, that that's that's really that's more harmful in the long run than anything else. So. Hopefully the pendulum swings back soon because there's a lot of damage created when it's at one extreme or the other. Yeah, because then also it's like most of us sit in the middle somewhere, but then the two extremes at both end, they are the loudest and they get the most coverage. And so then to the rest of us in the middle, that division is is kind of magnified even more than it is. And so it becomes even more of kind of a hotter topic yeah. you know, at that point and more divisive. So that division is happened during COVID, it's happened, you know, oh, it'll happen over and over again. This division is pushed and it's really unfortunate because most, the vast, vast majority of people just want to connect and understand each other. And so in doing our work, getting out of our egos, you know, the ego will contract and when it contracts, it creates separation, division. Uh, and, and if we can get back into our hearts and compassion, then the hearts expand and then that, connection so i think i think the answer is you just need to start performing ego ectomies on on people that are at either end of the spectrum and, and also get out of your echo chamber and um and start to sit down and talk with people who have different points of view to you and you'll find out 99.9 percent .9 of the time you'll connect on most things maybe there's things that you don't but you'll connect but what happens and especially online now all we do is we speak and hang out with people who think exactly the same as us. So let's say I'm in some sort of, you know, the Ryan tribe over here and I hang with other Ryans and all I'm doing is talking with other Ryans and we're talking about how great Ryans are. And then I, I occasionally then interact with people who are the opposite and they're not neutral about Ryans, they hate Ryans and they're the other and I want to attack them. You know what I mean? And so that's how, how I live my life. Ryan? Who could hate Ryan? Who could hate a Ryan? You could hate the name. I'm not a big fan of the name, but you couldn't hate me. I'm, look at me. No. Um, I must be loved, liked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, 
the the nature of the ego is it doesn't like things that are different, and that that sort of creates a divisiveness as well. So there's a beautiful quote by Thomas Merton. I think I've told you it before. Um, yeah, true love is is about. Hang on, I don't want to paraphrase it. Um, one moment, please, Kula. So the beginning of love is to let those we love be perfectly themselves and not to twist them to fit our own image. Otherwise, we love only the reflection of ourselves, ego, we find in them. I wish you were more like me. And this goes for both parties. So if we use the the non-binary movements or or however it's been termed, um, the beginning of love is that So I, I love you for being, for your philosophies or for wherever you come at life from, okay? I love you that way. I'm not going to try and convince you to, to be or not be the way that you are. But then but then, it's important for that to come back equally and for, for you to not try and change me to fit your views or your philosophies or your ways. So, you know, it's, a, it's, it's a, an inclusiveness on both sides there and, trying to once again come away from the ego. And I, I love you just the way you, I love that you can go out and shoot 44 points one day and 21 points a couple of days later on. I, lo- I love you equally wherever you are in your golf game. Um, and that, that's content. That's the definition of happiness. I, I don't prefer you to be anything other than you are right now. Yeah. And then... So I'm trying to think, like I had a situation recently and just someone, because you can start to try and have these discussions, but then, and you can say, I accept you and I want to understand, but then that doesn't mean the other person is going to accept and understand you. And then if they don't, then they'll tend to personally attack you, which is a defense mechanism, but then that makes us, the ego, want to attack back. And this just adds to the, the, the fuel to that fire of division. And so I think it's important as well that if somebody doesn't accept you and starts on that path, that you can just sort of put your hands up and walk away and decide, I'm not going to play that game. You know, I'm not going to add to that fire of division. And, you know, if they're ready to accept me at some point in the future, that's okay, but I'm not going to play that game right now. Yeah, well, their, their ego is looking for your ego to wrestle with. It's going to try and activate your ego because, once again, that's just the nature of the ego. It's not that person. It's the nature of the, the ego that they have within them. It's 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 all fired up and active. It, it wants to go and wrestle. So I'm going to go and find your ego and start wrestling with that. Um, Thich Nhat Hanh said, uh, he was talking, I listened to a beautiful um, video on him the other day where he was, is just saying, you know, if it's all... If it's all going pear-shaped around you, I don't think you use those words exactly. If it's going bloody pear-shaped around you, here's what to do. <laughs> get some get some fucking equanimity up here. Um, he, he said if it's all going pear-shaped around you, you just have to come home. You know, go within. If, if, it, if there's conflict and chaos and, and disharmony all around you, that's where we have to come home. Uh, to ourselves within and, and cultivate cultivate that peace and equanimity and everything within us. Um, otherwise, we're going to keep being affected by the state of the world. Someone, someone can walk up to me and just call me a fucking idiot or yell at me or call me whatever. And, and in that moment, 
based on the work that I've done, I, it, it's available to me now to go into my heart and not let my ego get activated, but to empty myself and go into my heart and just, just observe this person and, uh, with compassion and empathy um, and to not make it about me. And so they can be standing there yelling in my face like a drill sergeant and calling me every name under the sun, and I can be perfectly at peace, perfectly centred within myself and not let them rock me. But that that's come through years and years and years of work and cultivating um, that capacity. Yeah, yeah, it does. It does. And then we get, we get to choose, uh, we get to respond to life situations instead of react. And unfortunately, there, there's so many reactions going on now collectively that everything just gets more and more heightened, and it happens faster now because of because of being online. So, um, I challenge any listener just to see if we can uh, play your part in trying to lower that uh, hum of anxiety that's living within the collective around whatever divisive topic of the moment uh, has come up, and try and be more understanding. And, th- and think about the meaning of your life. Well, well you know. What 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 do you want to leave in your wake? One day you won't be here. How do how do you want to leave all all those you come in contact with? Um, well, yeah, you know, these philosophies are so important to guide us instead of our our, our beliefs. We, I think it's important that we get more philosophy and, and the philosophy of leave um, leave something better than, the same or better than you found it. You know, it's like just even if you can't make it better, just don't make it worse. Mm. You know? And that could be a room that you walk into in terms of tidy or untidy or dishes or whatever. It could be um, interaction with a person or an animal or, or the environment, you know, leave. I walked from here down the street the other day and there was just rubbish along the thing and and I just picked it up and, and put it in a bin and, and – I didn't film it and put it on social media or, or, or make sure I gathered a crowd to, to watch me do it firstly. Um, it was just a, such a simple, effortless little thing to do, but it made me feel good. Yeah, and there's a difference as well between you know picking up rubbish and putting it in the bin because that's what the moment calls for or picking up the rubbish and then going, Fucking people, fucking littering. It's bullshit. They shouldn't do that. That's a, that's a different experience. That's a different. We're lost. We're lost in thought at that point. <laughs> I, I didn't even. I didn't even. Yeah, that's great. I didn't even. No, because that's what people will do. If I've actually told people yeah. about this philosophy before, and they'll come back to me, I can't believe how many fucking people litter. I'm like, ah, oh, you've missed the point of the exercise. <laughs> so there's there's the, there's the blaming, and let's let's wrap up this episode by coming back to the start. There's the blame there. There's the attachment that people and 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 this this nature strip should be perfect, and I must get what I want, which is for there to be no litter. It's just it's, it comes back to those attachments. So, oh, that was awesome. Thanks, man. Thank you, Nico. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We will see you all next week. I'm going to put my bum against a wall. (laughs) Stiff shaft. Trying to stiff shaft. It's my goal. It's my no, no, no. Just the wall. No stiff shaft. I've got to. I've got to keep my butt out. It's like I'm trying to root root the air in front of me on my golf swing. You're going to keep your butt out. I'll go and get a stiffer shaft. Bye, everyone. 
Thank you for tuning in to the Woke Blokes podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show. Also, leave us a five-star rating. We thank you so much, and we'll see you all next time.